Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. What's going on, Playmakers? Welcome back. If you're new, welcome to our podcast, More Than a Season. And if you are an OG, welcome. We're happy to have you back here. If y'all aren't following us so far on Instagram, you're definitely missing out. So (laughs) make sure that you go check out our community. Brittany and I love to just really express ourselves through that platform. It's our baby. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) our baby. And we definitely have some fun content. I think we're kind of funny and maybe just, yeah, we think we're funny. So (laughs) if you have not followed us already, please head on over to our Instagram and meet others in the sports world and get to know and connect with others. Yes. And if you haven't already, we would love if you would follow us on here on whatever podcast platform you choose and give us a review that just helps others in this community to find us and for us to continue to grow this amazing, amazing thing that we have started here. So thank you in advance for doing that. Yeah, we really appreciate it. All reviews are definitely welcome and we definitely love to read them out loud and give them a shout out. So if you want a shout out, give us a review. Brady had a humbling moment this oh week. I've been dying for her to share. I like have not stopped laughing since she told me. <laughs> you guys, if you get like kind of grossed out by things, you might want to skip maybe 15 seconds ahead. But Paddington, my dog has been sick and he's had diarrhea and, you know, things like that. And so I took him into the vet <laughs> and they were like, all right, we're going to need you to get a stool sample. And I'm like, oh, are we sure about that? <laughs> So I'm picturing like a urine sample cup. Like, you know, when you go to the doctor and you have to get a urine sample and picturing a cup. Like at the OBGYN, like the yeah. awful cup that you put right. in the little window. Like Yes, little- that's exactly what I'm picturing, right? No, they pull out this little thing and it's like a mini M&M tube. Like, you know, those mini M&Ms that you can buy. It's a tube. I'm like, how the heck am I going to fit some stool into that tube? <laughs> So she's like, you just grab a plastic spoon and kind of scoop it out. So, and then I have to wait for him to go do his business. So I'm grabbing like my gloves out of like under the sink. I had all like my plastic spoon. I had some paper towels. I had like a trash bag. I had all my like (laughs) items ready to go. And I think Paddington was really confused because like he went to the bathroom and then immediately I went over to his poop and like scooped it into this thing. And he's kind of staring at me like, what are you doing? And I texted Drew and I'm like, this is why. I am the world's greatest dog mom because I never (laughs) thought I would ever have to do something like that. But here we are. Here we are. It's crazy to me because like, I always ask my parents, I'm like, growing up, what did you have to do to like have a dog or have a cat? And you didn't have to do any of this stuff. Like if they were sick, they're like, here's some rice and bread. You don't have to do all the shots and all the things, but it's worth it. I mean, being a dog mom's awesome. I know. It is awesome. Oh my gosh. This is just preparing me. I feel like to be a mom, because I know that all the moms out there are going to be like, yeah, you know how much poop I've had like to clean up and all over me, like from your kid's poop. So I'm like, yeah, here we are talking about poop on our podcast, but you know, <laughs> what, a day. You would be what a day. <laughs> well, we made big moves here in, in my side of town because we went to Costco and got a membership. The I have Mecca. not had one. <laughs> I've not had one. And to be honest, it was a little overwhelming. Like you get so familiar with your Sam's club and you're like, okay, 
I know where everything is. Like I know what brands there are. And we went in there and I spent like almost two hours going through. I felt like every product and looking at all the things and they just have so many distractions that I just, I was I not prepared Costco. for. I did. I've, I've actually never been to a Sam's club. I've only oh, really? ever been to Costco. They don't have Sam's club in California, but I know that they have it like on the East coast and stuff like that, but Costco is the best. And then the free samples, man, they get you. Yeah. They get you, could, you could literally, this lady was like walking by and she had this really like cool looking cooler, like on wheels. She's like, do you want a free ice cream sandwich? And then someone around the corner was like to go with your ice cream sandwich. Would you like some hot chocolate? And I was like, oh my gosh, what a day. Like, yeah. What a day. Just it might as well great. go eat lunch there. You don't even need to go to a restaurant. Go to <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, but that, that was really cool. So now I have the double whammy. I have Costco and Sam's club. So I think we have a trip overdue for you and I to head to yeah, we the big city. <laughs> We meant to get, get out of our little town and go to a normal shopping world because yes. we don't have anything close to us like that, but I love Costco. Oh. My mom was like telling me, Hey, do you think Drew would like the shacket from Costco? Because I'm buying everybody <laughs> and their mom the shacket. And I was like, okay, mom. So. I know. And it's just so fun. And then when we came back, so I'm, I'm in Texas with my family for right now and I have an event uh, to go to, but I was with my parents and we left, it came home and we're sitting in the living room and they have this like giant living room fireplace and we have the TV to the right of it. And so we're watching, I don't know if y'all watch mash ever, but the family here is a big black and white TV show family in the evening. So we were watching mash and then all of a sudden this like creature noise squeals from inside the fireplace. We lost it. My mom like almost fell out of the chair. I like jumped up. The dog went and hid behind the couch. And then my dad, like, here's nothing. Like absolutely nothing. (laughs) So my dad is looking at us like, what is wrong with y'all? And we're looking at my dad and we're like, are you deaf? Did you not just hear like the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the fireplace like what and so they had to call somebody but it still is making that noise so we are like terrified there's like a beast in there I'm not so creepy (laughs) so it like I'll have to record it and like send you a crate like what would it be what I don't know we're all taking bets my mom thinks it's a squirrel that like fell on the roof or something I don't know how it has a broken leg or something and it can't get out I don't know I thought it was like a demonic bird or something but we're all taking guesses my dad still can't hear it I'm like okay that's a bigger issue at another time that we'll have to fix yeah you might need to get your hearing checked on that one Yes. So that's been the drama in the household this week. I was like, what is in the chimney? We should do a poll and be like, everybody guess. Yeah. What's, what's in, the, in chimney? the chimney? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I bet it's gotta be a bird. It's gotta be a bird. Birds are crazy. They just started talking like, about that last night. Did you ever watch the movie birds? Did you oh, ever yeah. watch that in high school? It's terrifying. Yeah. So terrifying. He's like, isn't it crazy that birds were here before humans? I'm like, yeah. Oh, they're know. like many dinosaurs. Them. Birds and cats. Them. I'm sorry if you're a cat person. Cats, I feel like they're so smart. They just like, they have this like ulterior motive and they're like <laughs> trying to, trying to rule the world. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, I don't get cats. Cause like a dog, you can tell when it's angry mm-hmm. or like happy with its wagging tail or it's wiggle and a cat could stare at you like in your soul and be like, I'm going to claw your face. Like I have, I or it could be cuddly. I have no idea. I can't I know. And cat. there's some cute cats, but I swear they just have this like 
look into my soul type of stare and it just freaks me out. So yeah, Anyways. I, um, <laughs> last comment on the cats I have to share is I lied to Carson. Like the first two years of our relationship, I said that I was allergic because he wanted a cat so bad. So I just lied. And then he finally figured it out when we went to like, like gathering and I didn't get like all itchy. The cat was like all over me and I'm just sitting there like perfectly fine. I'm just like enjoying the day. And he's like, Ashley, maybe it like fixed. You don't have an allergy anymore. And I was like, oh crap. I forgot. I've been lying for like two years. <laughs> yeah. But craziness. So sorry. That was my cat story, so but funny. this episode, let's talk yes. about that because this episode is yeah. so good. We actually took a completely different spin on the sports industry and the sports life. And we have on a concierge and she is mostly for the sports industry, but I know that she does do concierge services for others, but she is a wealth of knowledge. It's wild how many things that she knows within the sports industry and all of the intricacies of everything. Yeah. She is a Jersey girl living in Denver and mm-hmm. she is all the right type of spicy and fun and attitude that you need and that you want to hear. And she just kind of lays it out perfectly. Like there's no fluff. She tells you exactly what goes on and what she deals with on a day-to-day basis. And we dive into it, which you'll hear, but there's so many distractions that get put in front of you when you are a young player athlete, uh, in the industry. And so she kind of helps people navigate that because it's a lot. And especially when that comes with that big paycheck sometimes. Yeah. And she works a lot with significant others. And I think that's what really drew us to her and her to us is, you know, we kind of have that same common ground of being able to notice that the significant others are basically your lifeline in this industry. They do everything. They move you, they figure out what to do, where the kids are going to go to school, where the doctors are going to be. And it's all about us. So we're going to give ourselves a pat on the back for that one, (laughs) but she really does dive into all of the things that we have to deal with as the significant others. And she's just hilarious while doing it, sharing some hilarious stories. And we really think that you guys will enjoy this episode. Yeah. So hang in there, sit down, get a drink. It's going to be real entertaining. And we'll see you on the other side of this episode. Hello. Hello. Hey friends. Welcome back. It's the best time of the week. We have another interview and we're just going to throw it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hey guys, this is Sarah Ram. I am the owner of the APC agency based in Denver, Colorado. My company basically eliminates all the distractions, simplifies life for professional athletes across all sports. I have always believed that if you can simplify an athlete's life and take away everything, all their frustrations and their distractions, they perform better. I've been doing this for 12 years from New Jersey originally, started in New York and then made my way out West where it's, it's better weather, less rain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. For a little sure. bit colder. So how did you even start in that industry? I feel like that's such a unique niche and so needed as you mentioned, but I just am so curious how you even got into that. Like I, I tell people all the time, I, I genuinely fell into the space. Quite honestly, I went to Notre Dame. So I was around athletes, as you can imagine a lot. I was into the athlete world. Like the minute I got on campus became really close with a lot of the basketball, football, hockey players. And so I just kind of saw day to day organically what they do. Um, but then additionally, I was working in New York in the fashion world. So I kind of always clearly have this, this thing for like the glamour space of some sort, which, you know, by the way, none of them are glamorous as you guys know, (laughs) it's this, this mystique that they build that they're like, this will be fun. And then you get in and you're like, no, not so much, but I worked in fashion and I knew I just didn't want to be 
in New York anymore. And I also knew I didn't want to work for other people anymore. So I left and I went and I started bartending on Nantucket. I'd worked on Nantucket from when I was 14. So I kind of knew ins and outs of different people. And one day I was talking to a table that I was waiting on and the guy was like, why don't you start a concierge business? Like there isn't, there isn't a really good one on Nantucket. So I was like, okay, sure. Why not? That'll get me through next year. Like literally was all I thought. And I was like income for a year, a way to like stay here on in the off season, live on an Island, live at like close to the ocean. And then I started the business and my first client happened to be from ESPN. And he was like, do you know what you could do in the athlete world? <laughs> and then I spent the season working with high net worth people that were traveling in Nantucket. And then from there, I went to Aspen to help ESPN with their athletes for X games and came down to Denver and started working with a couple of the Broncos players from there. And the rest is history. Probably looking back at your journey, you're like, wow, this is not <laughs> what I thought my life was going to turn into. Yeah. And that is just so neat. But with athletes and just young men and women that come out into the sports industry, Brittany and I have talked about it previously with some of the other uh, either coaches, significant others or players, significant others that a lot is thrown at you and a lot is money, fame, everything that comes with that lifestyle. And it's kind of like you're trying to navigate through that with the new training program and everything else moving locations. So what are some of those distractions like right off the bat that you're like, let me help you navigate? I mean, the very first one is relocation, right? Like they get thrust into this space and they're like, okay, I mean, take any sport, right? So, so football is always easiest, I think for everybody to understand, but it's like, you get drafted in the NFL, you are on a plane that next morning to this new city and you know, no one. And now if you're a first round draft pick, there's a chance that they're going to help you a little bit more, but they're just throwing you at people. And you don't know these people. You don't know if you can trust these people, your agents involved, but not really. And it's not any fault of the agents. It's just, they don't have one player going, going somewhere. They have multiples. So they're trying to navigate like, okay, I got to help this guy and this guy and this guy. And really what it comes down to is the spouse. And it comes down to the spouse making a decision on where do I want to live, but how do they know where they want to live? Like they've never lived in this new city that they're going to, they've never experienced what this is going to be. And I think, you know, young kids, it's, it, they're so vulnerable in the sense that like, again, they just have this disposable income that everybody wants a little piece of. And so do I think there's an agenda with a real estate agent in a city or whatever to put them in a house? No, but they don't know that city. So they're 100% reliant on somebody that they've never met before who wants to get a, a commission check. And they're like, yeah, that sure. That sounds good. 10 <laughs> mm -hmm. minutes to the facility. Sure. sounds good. Doesn't, you don't know, like, is there a grocery store nearby? Is there, they don't know any of the questions to ask. So for me, re relocation has been a big one. Baseball is actually really interesting because, you know, you think about the number of times. So they generally like live somewhere, then they go to spring training. So they need a house at spring training. Then from spring training, they go to the city that they're playing in and they need a house there. And then their spouse or significant other or whatever is flying back and forth to their home city. Mm -hmm. And it's like the chaos of it is, is kind of incredible. You know, baseball is the same. They're super young when they're going to the minor leagues and the minors is even worse because they're down playing in a random city. They don't want to have a lease. And so it's like all of that stuff becomes so consuming and it starts to create as, as you guys can imagine, and probably have heard, it's like, it creates arguments with the player and their spouse 
which creates ultimately a distraction. And once you're distracted and once you're become, once it's become a little bit blurry, you just don't perform. It's just, it's not a guess. It's a fact. Yeah. I think that's so interesting the way that you put that, because it's not often that it's talked about that these distractions can impact your playing and all of that stuff. Like no one really talks about the outside aspects of sports, like on ESPN, they're mostly talking about the player, the athlete, the right. game that, you know, whatever they're doing to, to get ready. How did you even know how to contact these people or how do you like have all these resources across the country? Because in order to help these people relocate, you have to know those areas and know the best places and things like that and questions to ask. So how did you start that process? So it starts with just finding a few people you can trust, right? Like, so as I've found people that I can trust, they have started to make introductions to people elsewhere. So for example, if I'm relocating somebody to, to Texas, right? So I can call, I have a real estate agent in Denver who I trust immensely. And I'm like, who do you have in Dallas? And she'll immediately look to her network of, you know, these are the people that work with athletes in Dallas that I've worked with in the past. And it's, and it's all connected. So the thing for me is that when I look at my business, it's, it's solution-based, right? Athletes don't want to be told no. And it's not like in a bad way. It's just that they want problems solved. And generally speaking, when you talk to the team or any of these teams, their gut reaction is no, we can't do that. Well, their gut reaction is no, we can't do that because they don't have a solution. So they don't want to be put in a position of, we don't know. So the answer is just no, where if you start to real, if you start to connect with all the dots and start to make phone calls, you start to realize like there are people who just want to help, like genuinely just want to help. And so as that's gone on, like people, I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years, but it's, it's amazing to me, the number of people I still meet on a regular basis where my network becomes so much stronger. And people ask all the time, they're like, how do you do what you do? I would love to get into it. It's like, it's all it is, is solutions. It's being able to have the right person or the right mindset to say, I'm going to solve this. It's like a giant game of Tetris 90% of the time. And I, I feel like I can simplify what I do so much that people are like, oh, it's not that complicated. Well, it's just, it's a lot, right? So for me, you guys touched on it a little bit earlier with the spouses. And for me, the spouses are the most important part because the, the athletes themselves are easy, right? They go to work, somebody cooks a meal for them. They're told what to do. They have a schedule set for them where their spouse has nothing and has, has really limited resources. And so one of the things for me has always been to create an environment that's really healthy for the spouses, because if they're not happy, it's going to be a disaster just all around for everybody. And it's funny, like I've gotten really involved with some, some of the spouses on different teams and connected with them and done extensive amounts of like, whether it's, you know, calling and getting sponsorships for gifts or whatnot for these spouses, it's, those are the things that are important because I can pick up the phone. Like I had to do this the other day and it was like, it was just funny because I needed some funding for some gift bags we were doing for the spouses. And I sent out one email. I had five replies were like done. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I needed one more thing. So I picked up the phone and I was like, Hey, I'm going to send you a client, but I'm sending you a client and I need X amount of money to support this initiative we're doing. And he was like, done, no problem. Great. And it's like, I realized that it's one, the resources, but two, it's the personality to just be able to push people and go, you're going to get something from this. I just need you to participate. And a lot of people aren't good at that is what I found, Yeah, <laughs> which is so, I don't mean it judgmentally. It's just, is like, I always assumed like that everybody kind of had the same 
skill sets and personality. And then you realize like people are, are scared to ask for those things or, or kind of push that out there. Yeah. I, I like the way that you put that because we have found in our industry is we have all these resources. We do, we have like a lot of options, a lot of things to reach out, but it's almost so overwhelming that once you get that call of wherever you're going, you don't even know where to navigate first because your significant other just leaves. So like for Brittany and I, (laughs) we moved from Washington down to Mississippi. And when we did, I mean, there was a period where I think Brittany and I, I mean, we, we weren't talking to our significant others. We were talking to each other Mm because we were trying to figure out, okay, what moving person did you call and what contact did you use? And it's just so much and such a quick turnaround that it almost makes you want to just kind of like sit there and be like, I don't even know where to start. Like I have just, no just idea. Just laugh it off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like honey, I, I might, my might see you. I might not. When you guys got moved though, did, did you feel like the organization was talking to your spouses or did, and like not communicating anything with you where they weren't communicating anything back? Or do you think they just left you kind of like, they'll figure it out. So a couple things come to my mind and Brittany can share her opinion too, but basically what happened with our, it's different at every school, but with our transition, I feel like it was very smooth because they gave us two contacts. Literally that was it. And that's all we had to deal with. And it was so much easier that way because we knew our two people and that's what would get us from point A to point B. Now I've been a part of moves where it was like, here's 12 options and you can (laughs) figure out which one to take. Good luck. Yes. I just think it depends honestly on the program, but I think that it's great that you're kind of the hub to keep everything together. And with significant others, what's the number one? I know you said relocation, but what do you think with all the chaos, what the one disconnect is? I mean, the biggest disconnect is truly is, is either one, the kids, like it's immediately is we need doctors, dentists, school, Mm -hmm. and the other is their pets. So a lot of organizations just look and are like, I mean, they have a dog, but that's not my problem. Don't care. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, but you understand that like, they're not going to leave their dog. So either you need to be like mentally prepared for the headache. So I've done a lot of international shipments with pets. It's not easy. And it's quite honestly, like super challenging to navigate, especially during COVID because they weren't putting pets in cargo anymore. I mean, there's zero explanation as for why, but because I don't know that they're spreading COVID to (laughs) bags, but like whatever, (laughs) but it it became like, it's a big thing. So there were times where it was, you know, I was talking to airlines and they were like, get the pet certified as a service animal, get the pet certified as an emotional support, do this, do that. And it's just, it's a lot. I mean, as you guys know, it's like, it's never like I'm given this like giant lead time, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, we're leaving tomorrow. It's like, (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. It only takes 10 days to get your pet on a plane, but (laughs) it's all these things that everybody, like nobody knows the intricacies of it. And like, it's not even that I was knowledgeable on it again. It was the same thing, right. Where I like knew the people to call Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get it done. And then Additionally, you're just hedging your bets with like wherever you're at. So whether it's like we've done it in LA, Denver, New York, you're trying to find doctors and vets at the last second to be like, Hey, I need this paperwork done. And you know, it's going to take 10 days for international, but you know, you need it for net for domestic. And so you're going through all these steps and you're just like last year before December, we were in Aspen for Thanksgiving and 
I was literally like stopping and like sitting on the backs of cars on my computer, like typing, sending emails to United, buying tickets on United, like doing this, doing that, calling their international pet people. I driving home from Aspen, I'm pulling over in Copper Mountain to get all these documentations sent over to United. And people just, they don't understand. Like it's, if you really want to do kind of what I do at the high level in order to make people's lives really simple, you just have to be committed and passionate about the fact that like everything stops when something's needed, everything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because I have a dog that travels with me a lot. And I know all the stuff that goes into just a normal travel, like with me and him (laughs) and he's like certified in all of that. So like, I can only imagine like the things that you have to go through. I'm just like thinking about when you were talking, how many clients do you typically take on? And like, how does that process work? Like, do they contact you? Like, Hey, I'm moving tomorrow. Like, will you help me? Or do they usually like give you a little bit more lead time? Do you work with them for a long time? How does that work? (laughs) It kind of depends, right? Like everybody's so different. I think baseball moves a lot quicker. Baseball moves a lot quicker because they, a lot of them are signing contracts right before they go to spring training. So you'll get like a pitcher who signs his contract a week before. And then it's like, all right, well, I need a house in Florida. And, and a lot of times with baseball, with spring training, it's like, oh, my wife's not going to come with the kids until we go into the regular season. And then the day before he's heading down to Florida and we have a condo set, he's like, okay, the wife and kids are coming. We need to change. It's like, cool. So it all, (laughs) it, it all depends. Like every I mean, that's why I love it. Like, I, I just think it's more fun that like every, every day is so different. I've tried before to go back and like, you know, not do what I do at a executive level of, Mm -hmm. I've worked with companies before who work with athletes who are like, we need your help. Like, it would be great if we could offer your services or like sitting at a desk is just not my thing. Right. So it's like, I love the chaos. I get antsy when things are like quiet, but I started working with a company this year who has built in technology to kind of manage schedules and stuff, which makes my life so much easier. So honestly, like before I used to say seven clients was like my max, like full-time before I'd have to start staffing at different, at higher levels. And now I look and I'm like with the management and the technology, like one of the guys who works with me as a, as a contractor, it's like, I could probably go up to 15. As you guys know, like there's a lot of people in sports where it's, they have their one personal assistant who works with them and I just never want to be that full-time person. I think quite honestly, like a lot of these guys don't need that full-time person. They just need resources. And so we just want to be the resource for all of the things that they need. And it doesn't mean they're not going to get personal attention. Cause I, you know, like Jerry Maguire, right? Like you're not going to like ever give it up of like having them engage with you and talk to you, but it's just that they don't really care who gets it done. They just want it done. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting with the amount of clients that you can handle. Brittany and I are both event coordinators. And so it makes us laugh because sometimes you feel like a glorified babysitter in a way, because it's like, everyone's just like, (laughs) here's all my details and help me like get to point A to point B. I mean, that's part of it. And that's why you like the job because it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of planning that goes into it. Have you felt as a woman in the sports industry, do you feel like you have to push a little harder, work a little harder in the industry since it's so male dominated, or do you feel like, oh, I've just paved my way. Like this is just part of it. People ask this question all the time. It's so funny. I've never thought about it. Right. Like I, I think being female was the most advantageous thing because talk to any agent. They don't want to do what I do. Like they, they have zero interest, zero. And, and like, 
if a guy needs a babysitter in like, or a therapist, like they don't want to talk to them, like for the most part, unless it's like, I always go back to baseball. Baseball is a little easier, but baseball or golf or somewhere where it's like their mental is really affecting their day-to-day job. Like the mental in football, you're not going to see as much where baseball, like if, if they can't hit the ball, right. their agent's probably going to be like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> like what's happening. But for the most part, like men can't don't, they're not organized enough to do what I do. They don't have the personality. Now I will say the one disadvantage I felt, and it's not being female, it's just who I am. It's like, when you first get into it, like you start to befriend these guys and you're like excited that they like you as a person. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have that challenge of like asking for money to be compensated for what you do. And I think a lot of times there's that like defining moment where you have to realize like, it's not about being their friend. You can be their friend, but they're going to pay you to be their friend. So it's realizing that like, as a woman, it's easy to get their attention. It's easy to engage with them. They want to talk to women. Like, that's just the way that it is. Like we've, I've talked about this with men in the industry before. It's like, you want to secure a client or you're trying to close the deal with a client, like bring a female. Cause that's, that's, what's going to close the deal. Like they don't want to sit and talk to a dude in a suit. That's just, it's not who they are and it's not the culture. And, but at the same time, like as a female, you do have to learn to ask for what you want. And, you know, it it takes a lot of therapy to get there, but once you get there, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) But it is, it was, it was really a challenge for me to ask for money. Um, because like, I was like, oh, they like me. And then you're like, who gives a shit? Like they're going to like me because I'm really good at what I do. Yeah. Right. You have that like relationship with them, but it also like you have made that a professional aspect and it's not just like, okay, I'm your friend. I'll help you out and help you do all these things. Do you have roadblocks with the companies or people that you work with? Like what's your biggest one doing all of these things. Cause you said a lot of times people say no to these athletes or to these people that you work with, what are things that you've encountered that are like really tough to work through? So I would say the number one was when I was younger. So I've been doing this now for 12 years. So when I first started, I was introduced to this NFL agent. He went to Notre Dame and he is one of my closest friends now. But when I first was introduced to him, I was like a freaking bull in a China shop. I was like, (laughs) you need me. I don't know who you think you are. Like, meanwhile, he's like, "Uh, I've been doing this without you for a really long time. Like, We're pretty good at what we do. But, but I remember like my arrogance, like took over as like Mm -hmm. this cocky entrepreneur, which I think is it's that balance, right? Like when you start a business, you got to be confident, but you can't be arrogant. And like, it was that eye-opening moment where like Joe never called me back. And I remember being like, well, shit okay, I did something wrong. Cause like this man won't even reply to my emails. And I think like six or seven years went by. And I finally, like his name came up on a conversation that I was or on a call I was on. So I reached back out to him and we wound up on the phone again and like had this great conversation. And it was like so much more of how can I help you? And I think one of the greatest role roadblocks that people don't understand is agents are, I, I'm going to use the word threatened. And I think it's the wrong word, but there are there are constantly people pulling at clients all day long. So in order to work with an agent, you have to, you have to be willing to understand their situation and you have to be willing to earn their trust because to think for a minute that they're going to give you access to anything is just ridiculous. But at the same time, when I look at my business and the, and the idea that it's like a business, not a one-to-one situation is the agents are the client more than the athlete themselves, because long-term I want that agent coming to me and being like, Hey, I have two other guys who really need some help. Can you help them? 
Whereas like the athlete one day, their career is going to be over and they may just be like, okay, we're done. We're not relocating anymore. We're not day to day. I don't need you helping with my foundation or any of this kind of stuff. I'm going to manage it myself. And then you don't have a client anymore. But if you have not created like a bigger picture and relationship with these, the people who are really like generating new business on the daily, like you, you kind of put yourself in a really disastrous position. The biggest roadblock is understanding the industry. Quite honestly, it's like, and stepping back and putting yourself in other people's shoes. Like I've felt threatened that people are coming after my clients before. And like, it's an uncomfortable position. And what do you do? Like you resist, you're like, Oh my God, stay away from me. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. And I think like you just, the the agent thing was hard for me at the beginning because it was like, how do you, how do you convince an agent? Like, I don't want your business. You know, like, I I just want to work with you. Like, I want to make your life easier. And it's hard because Men are, are, are threatened by that stuff a lot. And, and rightfully so quite honestly, like I've seen, and I'm sure you guys have seen it too. It's like, you see players who some guy tells them like, oh, I'll get you courtside seats to this game, every game, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And next thing you know, they changed agents and they have a shitty representation, but they were like, oh, but he got me this. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say was the number one roadblock. That's good to know. I think with the industry, like, especially even us starting out as significant others, you have this picture idea of what it's going to be like. So that's crazy that you came from that point of view of like, you need me to actually like, Hey, this is what I can offer you. I'm not trying to take anything physically from you. So that's wonderful business advice too. And I see that you wrote a book, so that's pretty cool. I like (laughs) literally saw that and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So what inspired you to write a novel and share all your knowledge with everyone? I I actually, honestly, this is like my favorite thing to talk about because it's like, (laughs) One, I hated to read when I was growing up. And, (laughs) and then two, there was a woman who I was like on social media one day, I'm competitive. Everything in my life is, everything is competition. Like everybody will tell you, it's like from, you know, who can get out the door the fastest to (laughs) like, who can run up the mountain the quickest. Like, it doesn't matter. Everything's competition. Even yesterday, I was like, my friend and I were supposed to go mountain biking. And instead she's like, she has a Peloton tread and bike. And so do I. And so she's like, do you want to just run early and then bike? And like, we can just like watch each other. I was like, she is taller than me. Her legs are longer than me. And I'm like, I am going to beat this girl. And I was like, literally at noon yesterday, she's like, I can't get up from my desk. I absolutely hate you. And I was like, well, I guess we, I guess we both have issues. That's how competitive I am. So everything is like watching and I'm like, all right, I can do this. I'm so I watched, I saw this woman wrote a book and I was like, the she wrote a book. I was like, screw that. I was like, I can write a book. If she can write a book, I can write a book. So I literally like got onto my computer that Friday night, poured a bottle of wine and was like, let's go. And I just like, I started writing and I like, honestly, I loved it. Like I loved every aspect of it. I had just spoken at Notre Dame to the football team that year. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, it's no different than what I talked about. It's the exact same. Like I went back to my presentation that I'd put together and I'm so not a PowerPoint person, but like Notre Dame had said, like, oh, it'd be great if you had slides up. I was like, okay, whatever. So I like made like a four slide deck presentation and I was like looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I can turn this all into a book. So Sunday I reached out to a, a publisher I knew and I sent him an email with a PDF and he's like, you're kidding me. Right. And I was like, well, I wrote it this weekend. I just want somebody to take a look at it. And he was like, Jesus Christ. So here we have the book. And I was like, yeah. And then I called my mom who's like, Uh, crazy on the grammar. I was like, can you read this for me? And she's like, uh, yeah. And you know, next she's like, this is actually good. I was like, Oh, this is shocking. I've never gotten a compliment before. So 
we went to publish it and that was that. But for me, the biggest thing was a marketing. It was a marketing tool for me because what I do to most people is a hobby. I, I cannot tell you the number of times that I don't know if you saw the Instagram reel where um, it's like some voiceover and he's like, how's that little job of yours working out? Like, and he's like, little job. It's yeah. a, like whatever it is. I forget what the words yeah. are, but I like laugh because people say it to me all the time. They say insulting comments to me all the time. And I'm like, uh, excuse me. Like, do you have any clue of what I do? Like when I really look at the big picture of what I do, like I get to change people's lives on a daily basis. Like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> so no, did no. you like tap into your experience and do you share stories in it? Like give us like an overview of what your book is about. Yeah. So there's educational pieces in it of kind of like, and there's like, there's like workbook things and it's like questions, right? Like, do you go over to the girl's house who DM'd you on Instagram? Like the answer is no. Like there's some of that, but there's also like, like, again, like I've, I've met really cool people. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. The amount of access you get when you do what I do. And it's like, and you just ask for it, right? Like it's just pretend like you were meant to be there and you just, right enter the doors. But I met this guy who, this story is in the book and it's, it's one of my favorites. He played football at Syracuse. And then he went and played for the Patriots. He was drafted by the Patriots and he wound up having a career ending injury. But when he was playing, so education is like one of my favorite things, like educating these guys on like what life is going to be after Mm -hmm. career, after sports, whether that's a college athlete or whether that's a pro athlete, it doesn't matter. It's like you educating them on thinking about what's coming and your relevancy of when you're playing. So he didn't have anybody coming to the game, to the home game. So he found this guy at Fidelity. I think it was Fidelity. I'm pretty sure it was Fidelity, but he found these guys who were advisors, like financial advisors. Uh And this young guy who was new there. And then it's like, okay, well, you have a guy from the Patriots asking you. So he would go in on their day off, on his day off. And he would go and learn about the business over at Fidelity. And he'd spend the entire day with this guy. And then he'd repay him by giving him home game tickets. That's how they developed a relationship. And now when his, when he had a career ending injury, like three or four years later, he wound up going to work full-time for Fidelity, which I'm like, he set himself up. Like he took advantage of the fact that people wanted to be around him because he played pro football. And then he, you know, leveraged that to his advantage. And it's like such a great story because it's like, those are the things that people need to think about. And they just don't like they, they wait too long. And then once you're done playing, the sad thing is nobody cares. Like, because Mm -hmm. what they want is access to an active athlete who can give them access to a team who can give them access to whatever else that might be. And these experiences that you can't get anywhere else. Right. We have talked about this before too, just knowing that all these athletes across the board, they just, they're given so much their whole lives. Like when you're talented people, like you just said, want to give you things because they want to see what you can do. And then be like, Oh, I gave that person that. Mm -hmm. And that is why they're where they're at. But then they, they come to a point where it's like, now I don't even know how to do my own laundry or do things like that. (laughs) So like, do you really work with people in that in-between process, like helping with them with those type of things to like get them to be in the real world, I guess, if they have to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a huge part of it, right? Because I mean, again, it's like, and it's not judgmental because I think every client is completely different, but I think some of the women that I've met in my space who are willing to do things that I would never do for a client. Right. So if a client called me at two in the morning and was like, I need you to run X, Y, Z. I was like, I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Like call a girl, call a girl, call anybody, but I'm not doing it for you. Like (laughs) it's not happening. 
but there are people who will do it. Right. Like, and so it is, it's education. Like, I don't know if I put, I don't think I put this story in the book, but it's funny. So I had a client who was in New York or sorry, in LA played in New York. And then he was in LA, um, in the off season for an event or something like that. And he called me absolutely blacked out drunk at two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm leaving a club. He was like, I'm leaving a club. With, and he had a girlfriend, like serious girlfriend. She was great. But they were both just like a total disaster. So anyway, so he's like, I need you to get me a car, blah, 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 like screaming. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I was like, where are you right now? And he was like, I'm on XYZ street. I was like, all right, cool. Walk two steps to the curb, put your hand up. I was like, see what, just see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? And he's like, oh, I got a cab. And I was like, sweet. Don't ever call me at two o'clock in the morning again. And I like hung up the phone and like, the next day, like the next day at noon, I had flowers at my house and I was like, he was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, yeah, you should be. But it was like, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not biting into this game. I'm not calling you a car service at two o'clock in the morning. Like your dumbass should have been prepared. Like if he had wanted a car service to get there and to get home, I would have set it up for him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, not at two o'clock in the morning, buddy. And I'm, and I think that too many people just enable all these bad behaviors so that to your point, right? Like when they get done, they have no idea what to do. And there is nobody around once you're done because they, nobody cares anymore. And, right. and that's really the hard part. So yeah, like there's a kid that I worked with, he was 18 and he had no, he did not know how to do laundry. Honestly, I had a call from somebody who worked for the team who I knew really well. And he goes, you got to, you got to help your boy out. And I was like, what, what happened? And he was like, he smells so bad. And I was like, what do you mean? He smells bad. And he was like, I don't know what he's doing, but like, you got to help him. His clothes smell. He's like, he smells. So I call him and I'm like, Hey, can we grab coffee real quick? And he was like, he gets there. I was like, dude, have you been washing your clothes? And he was like, I'm trying. I just, I don't know how to do it. He wasn't using detergent. He was using water. And then he was like leaving them in the washing machine for two or three days. And I was like, oh, oh my, my God. I was like, oh my God. He, he didn't know he had to put detergent in the machine. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So are you like drawing a diagram like at coffee or like, here's what you do. You go and get <laughs> this brand. Oh God. It was, it was honestly, it was comical. We went to his house and I showed him how to use the machine. And he was like, that's, that's interesting. I straight up, his mom texted me 24 hours later and was like, I want you to know, I taught that boy how to do laundry. He's lying to you. I was like, okay. I was like, well, I was like, he smelled pretty bad. And she was like, he is lying. <laughs> she was so mad. It was funny. Yeah. So there's all of that. But I think it's like, you do, you have to give them mm -hmm. tools to be able to function because the team's going to do everything for them while they're playing. And literally like, it is true. Like if they're the big time guys, like they don't, they do not have to think about anything. I guess the biggest thing is like, I don't ever want to be an enabler because you want them to go in the real world and be, and be able to one function, but two, to be able to do stuff for other people too. Right. All those stories. I am sure you have many, many more. I can't even imagine, but I think that it's great that that's your mentality is just not becoming an enabler because it is true. And we've seen it happen even in you know, all different industries. And when we've interviewed people and just kind of chatting about what kind of distractions come their way, it's like, you forget how to be human in a way. It's almost yeah. like you become like an idolized token or like 
people think that it's so glamorous and fame is like all you need to survive when it's actually sometimes one of the most lonely and complicated things that everyone goes through. But I do have to ask one more question. This is what we ask everyone on our interviews. I want to know what you would go back and tell your younger self starting out in this industry that you know now that's made a big change in your life. It's funny. We did a a video segment with one of my clients recently, and I was just watching the edits yesterday and he said it, and it's completely and totally what I would tell myself, which is be patient, right? Like nothing, nothing great happens overnight. And I believe that with anything, right? Like whether that's career, whether that's school, whether it's Mm -hmm. relationships or anything, like nothing comes overnight. And honestly, like anything that comes easy is, is somehow is just never going to work. I got distracted a couple of different times where people pulled me in different directions. And I started like, and it was all money-based, right? And I guess that's part of it. It's like, be patient, but don't be greedy too. In the sense that like, everything comes when you believe in something, everything comes when you're passionate about something and you just have to accept that, that it's going to take time. And I guess the other thing would be that it's also really easy for other people to derail you. I've worked with some people, met some people around like during my time in this and before. And it's like, you do realize that a lot of people don't want you to succeed. And so they'll derail the process for you. And Hey, like that's never going to work. Cool. I get it. Maybe it won't, but like, at least see it through, you know, and, and be less concerned about what everybody thinks about it. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's so important in any aspect of life. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on. We appreciate your insight into this different side of the sports industry. We've never done anything like this before. So we loved having you on. And if people want to find you, where can they find you at? And if they want to maybe hire you and (laughs) where would they find that? If they're going to hire me, they can all call me. No, (laughs) I have the website, which is the apcagency.com. I'm not going to spell it out because I spend all day spelling it out. It drives me crazy. I'm always like, oh my God, could I come up with something more complicated? And then uh, show notes. So no worries. (laughs) Yeah, you can do that. And then the best way to get a hold of me, honestly, is Instagram. Yeah. But thank you guys so much. It was fun. And, and I love that you guys are giving some voices to these spouses because I think it, they're interesting. Their stories are amazing. And they're just as big of a deal as the athlete themselves. And and people don't focus on the challenges that they face and the sacrifices that they make. And so it's great that people are, you know, taking them into consideration. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we need to like copy that and paste that and just paste it everywhere. <laughs> what you just said. Use your tagline. I, yes, use your tagline. But we we appreciate it. And thank you for just noting that and coming on. And thank you for everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.